0: Welcome to episode 10 of the Quilting Stories Podcast. Stay tuned for our interview with quilter Tricia Royal. The Quilting Stories Podcast is brought to you by Oliso. For the last year, I've been using the TG1600 Pro Smart Iron from Oliso. And what is an Oliso Smart Iron? The Smart Iron features Oliso's patented iTouch. I touch technology. And how that works is you simply touch the handle and the iron lowers, ready to iron. And when you take your hand off the handle, the patented Scotch Guard lifts the iron off the ironing board to prevent scorches, burns, and tipping. As I said, I've been using the Oloso TG1600 Pro Smart Iron for the last year, and it's really been a fun ironing experience. You can check out the Oloso Smart Irons at your local quilting store or wherever you buy your sewing and quilting supplies. Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama, who on Instagram is Messy Goat, and uh, I'm on Instagram as Jeff Rutherford. And our guest today is quilter Tricia Royal. Tricia is a quilter who lives in Los Angeles, California, and she was the artist in residence at San Jose Museum of Quilts and Textiles in the fall of 2019. Tricia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi! Hi! How are, how are you guys doing today?
0: Great.
2: Yeah, I'm hanging in there. That's a good time. So you are Bits and Bobbins on on Instagram. Yes, that is correct. Yep, and same. My website's the same, actually. Yep. Oh, excellent. So let's just jump in. How would you describe the quilts that you currently make
1: or have made most recently? So uh, for probably about the last. I would say, like, four years, three, four years, I've been making art quilts. So quilts that explore surface design, other concepts, um, quilts that are meant to hang on a wall. Uh, And I'm really inspired by traditional quilts, traditional quilt blocks. Um, But the quilts I make these days feature fabric that I've painted, dyed, or printed myself.
2: That's awesome.
0: And so how did you originally get started sewing and then quilting?
1: Oh boy, uh pretty young. Um I was about 11 um 11 or 12 when I first started really sewing. Uh, but actually it goes a little bit further back than that. Um most of my childhood memories revolve around clothing, sewing machines, uh my dad's mom. Um when she passed away in about 82 or 83, left us like this fantastic old Singer that, you know, came in a table and everything. And I remember sitting in front of it when I was, you know, seven, eight years old and playing with all the cams and just, you know, just being fascinated with it. And, um, and then, um, when I was 11, uh, my maternal grandmother, um, her name is Josephine. She taught me how to sew over the summer when she was visiting us. Uh, that was between, it was like fifth grade, sixth grade. And we made a pink linen straight skirt, um, Together, she helped me. I was pretty bad at it at the time, but I remember wearing it to school and being really proud. And then I think it was that Christmas my parents gave me my own sewing machine, and um, from there on out I never stopped. So I think it's been about thirty-five years if the math is correct, uh, give or take a year. And um, in high school, I took lots of home ec classes. There was a class called personal clothing. Kind of a weird name. (laughs) And um, I would skip my lunches in high school and I would go in there and sew. And um, I was also into the punk scene in high school. I sewed a lot of my own clothes and I I altered vintage and thrifted clothing. Um, The habit continued through college. Uh, I studied art history in college at the University of North Florida in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And then later, um, when I was married, my husband and I moved to New York City, and I went to Parsons. So this whole time, I'm still wearing vintage clothing and sewing a lot of my own wardrobe. Um, as for quilting, I think I started quilting in about 2006, um, I think. And um, I'd seen an episode of Craft in America that featured a group of quilters in Mississippi who were making string quilts. Um, and, and around that time, um, you guys probably, maybe you've seen it, but it was the G's Bend exhibit that traveled around to all those museums.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, it was, it was at the De Young Museum in San Francisco where we were living at the time. And I thought I would love to make a quilt. And so I did. And uh, it was a string quilt with diagonal string blocks, foundation pieced. <laughs> um, I had sewed the the strips to like another piece of fabric underneath it to support the, the strips. And um, it was made from these vintage fabrics that I had around, garment fabrics primarily, like uh, 60s and 70s cottons and eyelets and hot pink baby wide whale corduroy and um it came out pretty great actually uh surprisingly but I think that was because I had a lot of experience sewing up to that point
0: point. and when you were doing that I'm curious did you consult any um quilt books or or ask any questions online or did you just kind of figure it out given your sewing expertise
1: well, since it was about like 2005-2006, two, I think there was not as many, you know, videos and tutorials sure. and things at that time online, but there were a lot of books. Um less than there are today, <laughs> but the ones I remember, I collected a lot of I collect a lot of vintage books, actually, uh, craft books and art books. Mm-hmm. And um so there was one that was called like how to make a patchwork quilt or something like that. So I consulted that for instructions on how to make like the foundation piece blocks. And also, I believe at that time, Denise Schmidt's book, her first book uh, was out and I, I consulted that on how to finish the quilt. So yeah, okay. very early on.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I'm from Alabama. So G's Bend um, is South of here, and I've always been completely fascinated with how they approach. So I'm, I'm. That's very interesting that you've had the same. Um, you have a long interest in fashion and textiles, obviously, which you mentioned, and you were a fashion blogger for yes. a long time. So, <laughs> does that long-lasting f- interest in fashion show up in your quilts? And if it does, how?
1: Or your quilted items? Definitely, I would say so. Um, I was thinking about this like recently um, like how what's the common thread between, you know, this, this background I have in fashion and in clothing and, you know, what I'm doing today. And um, so, yes, I did used to have a a fashion blog. Um, It was called bits and bobbins, just like the uh, handle and the website that I have today. And um, I also had a a fashion sharing group on Flickr, which some people may remember very Mm -hmm. long time ago, but it was called wardrobe remix. And uh, people shared their outfits, and we celebrated everyday creative people and and creative personal style. So, I, I like to tell people, like you know, when they ask me this question, what's the relationship that it used to be that my my body, my person, was where I expressed myself? Like I uh, was really into using myself as a canvas and mixing and matching wild clothing accessories. In an attempt to like say something about myself and my aesthetic through my fashion choices, and um, basically, I guess what I was trying to say was that I wanted to be seen as a unique person with an unusual sense of style, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to be cool, so um, so yeah, so I was like my own canvas, and then I, I have a daughter, she's 12 now, um, she was born in 2008, and just kind of over time, I think my priorities kind of shifted, like I started thinking a little bit less about what I was wearing, um, and a little bit more like other ways to express my creativity because, you know, it's sort of more important to be like, you know, take care of your baby, your small child, than to like be worrying about, you know, what the latest fashion is. Um, but as she got older and I started to get more into quilting, that was where I found, I, I really wanted to explore, um, my expression, my, my aesthetic. So I'd say that that was what the what connects those two things. Very cool.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier that you have started doing a lot of painting on fabric and print and and dyeing. What 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 uh got you interested in doing that as opposed to kind of commercial fabrics?
1: Well, I think um I like the idea of having like my own like uh, my own Stamp on what I do, and I, I sometimes feel that if I'm using uh, commercial fabrics that other people have designed, even though they're really beautiful, um, that it isn't really quite me, and I want to have my hand in all of those um, aspects of making a quilt. And I love color. Um, so i I started getting into the the dyeing and the painting and the printing on fabric. I think about five or six years ago. Um, I used to live in Chicago and I was taking classes um, at a place that I later ended up doing an artist residency at. Uh it's an art center called Lil Street Art Center, um, in Ravenswood, which is a very cool neighborhood in Chicago. And um, you know, I was taking screen printing and relief printing and all kinds of uh ways to, you know, manipulate the surface and started taking myself more seriously um, as an artist. So I applied, they have a residency program there, like I said, and, uh, I applied for it and was awarded that residency for the 2016, 2017, um, year. And during that time, I got really into, uh, painting, printing and dyeing. And after the residency, um, uh, my little family, we, uh, moved to California and we've, we've moved a lot. So <laughs> probably picking up on, uh, a lot, but uh, we moved to California and the weather here is so great that I dedicated my garage uh, to basically being like a print uh, dye painting studio, art studio, and the weather's fantastic. So I just open up the garage door and, you know, enjoy the weather and um, and work. So, yeah. Um, that sounds wonderful. It is,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'd to come out and join you.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's- it's definitely, we're very, very lucky. Uh, you know, we, we have other issues sure, <laughs> in sure. California, but um, the weather is generally not one of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been getting into making like splatter painted fabric and relief printing and screen printing and ice dyeing. And um, I use those fabrics, like I said, in in my quilts these days, as opposed to the commercial fabric.
2: Excellent. So um. Has the pandemic impacted your quilting at all? Have you been exploring new things because of it?
1: Uh, I would say that generally, it really hasn't changed my practice of uh, making quilts or making art very much at all. Uh, Before the pandemic, um, my daughter was in school and my husband, you know, was at work. They were both outside the home and I'm still working and doing all the things that I was doing, you know, working in my garage or sewing in my sewing room. Um, but, you know, instead of my family being away from the home, now they're in the home. <laughs> so, um, but my daughter's 12, she's in seventh grade. So like, she's pretty much, you know, takes care of herself. And my husband is, you know, doing his thing. So, I mean, it really hasn't changed. <laughs> um <laughs> I know a lot of people have had to juggle a lot of things and I'm really grateful uh, that that hasn't been one that has impacted me or my my work. That's
2: good. That's wonderful. Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, you you mentioned earlier being the uh, artist in residence at Little Street in Chicago. And as I mentioned at the top of the interview, you were also the artist in residence at the San Jose Museum of Quilts and Textiles. What did those residencies entail and what were those experiences like for you?
1: Oh, great question. Um, so I guess I'll start with the one at little street. Uh, so little street, um, it's an art center that has, it's not just a, they don't just have a textiles department. They actually have a, a world renowned ceramics department, a painting and drawing department, uh photography, digital arts, um, printmaking. And so, um, they have a year-long residency program and you get your own studio space, very small, but you get one <laughs> where you can hoard your materials and work and um so that you're you're able to use the whole uh, facilities for your department. Uh so Little Street has um they have a, a wet dye, diast- um excuse me, a wet studio side, which is where people take classes in like screen printing or relief printing or dyeing, all, all kinds of classes that are more on that side of the textiles realm. And then they also have a sewing studio with like a fleet of sewing machines that you can use. And so I was able to use all of those um, during my time there. Uh, I had an opportunity to teach. Uh, I taught classes in um, beginning quilt making, improvisational quilt making, uh, workshops um, on textiles relating to to the work I've did and at the the end of the residency we did uh, a show um it was a a residence show where all the residents from all the different departments had their work in the gallery there at little street so it was it was a fantastic opportunity um worked 20 to 25 hours a week there interacted with um the students interacted with people just coming through and and seeing the art center uh and i think it changed me um it changed it gave me like a, a very intense time to work on these uh things that might be hard to do at home like the dyeing and the printing um so it 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 really pushed me to really explore all of that and then the residency in at the san jose museum of quilts and textiles uh, which is in san jose california that was a a shorter term residency and um the museum is dedicated to fiber art, uh, not just quilts, but but all kinds of fiber art. And, you know, they that was more of a public-facing uh, um, interaction with the public. So I had a studio there within what they call um, the Makerspace, which is where they, like, do classes and workshops for people. But they had a, a section of that that I was able to utilize. And museum patrons would come down um, to the back of the museum where the Makerspace is passed, um, a gallery show of my work. I believe there were something like 10 to 15, uh, large to small pieces that I had there. Um, they were up for three months and people would come back there and ask me questions and they would, you know, ask me about my practice and they would ask me about techniques and just, you know, share with me, like they liked my work or, um, you know, how did I do this particular work and how did I make it? And like about my color sense. And so it was just a really um, amazing opportunity to, to interface with people and to get people's reaction to what you do. And it was in a uh, arts uh, district in San Jose. So there were, it was amongst other galleries and museums. And so I had other artists dropping by to talk. It was just fantastic.
0: That's great. Did, I, yeah, did you get had, a, go ahead. Uh, Elaine.
2: I imagine that having an opportunity to think more deeply about your process and what you're doing helps you define your style a bit more and explore avenues
1: that you might not have thought of on your own. 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, talking to people like they would make me think of things I hadn't thought before. and 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 I tend to be kind of like a more of an introvert. So it was a, a good exercise in like getting out of my own shell and and working with people and, and talking to them. Um, and, oh, and I, I should say, I also taught some workshops there, um, which was another way. I think I had a total of 40 students over two classes. And that was uh, fantastic to have, you know, people who lived in the San Jose area be in my class and and again, you know, exercise, um, articulating my work, and sort of defending it in a way, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, taking myself seriously. You know, it, it's I, it, when I reflect upon it, it's like it's, it's it was a pretty big deal to have a show for three months. So, yeah.
2: how how did you um, get into doing the artist in residence? Anywhere,
1: I mean. I think it was a matter of hearing about it through friends Um, with the little street residency. My friend, Nora Renick Reinhardt uh, was the textiles director at little street. And I think she was just like, go for it, you know? And I was one of many people who applied for it, but I guess I had what it took, you know, (laughs) it's a matter of looking for the opportunities and then having the courage to try you know, and taking myself seriously as an artist, um, you know, beyond just doing it as a, as, as, like a pastime or a, a hobby or a craft, like taking it to the next level.
2: Okay. Very interesting. Jeff, you had a question too.
0: Um, yeah, I was, I was just wondering, did you have a sense if you inspired anyone who kind of wandered by to, to possibly make a quilt?
1: Oh, um, well, there were a lot of quilters who came by, which oh, is okay. very cute. <laughs> um, you know, maybe my work wasn't quite what they would want to do, but sure. I think that they were just happy to see quilts there because, um, the residency isn't always quilt makers. Right. And I get the sense that I wasn't, I was probably the most traditional fiber, like quilt artist of <laughs> of their slate of of residents over the past couple of years. So, um, I think I did, you know, or maybe I know I had lots of conversations with, with people who visited, who asked me about different techniques. And I'm a big believer in sharing knowledge. And so they would ask me, you know, how did you do this painting technique or what paints did you use? And I, I happily would say, oh, you know, I used uh Dynaflow by Jacquard, you know, just, I think I, you know, maybe I did, maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll say you did sure
1: <laughs> <You did. laughs> so what inspires
2: a new quilt for you and obviously you probably got some inspiration from those artists in residence experiences but you're not in one right now so what what inspires a new quilt or new fabric project
1: for you oh that is really hard question <laughs> to answer um Yes, <laughs> i think everything inspires me i mean like i get inspiration from everywhere you know i know that sounds really trite and like probably everyone says that but like you know i ha- I ha- mentioned this earlier in our conversation but i have like a huge collection of craft books and art books and so sometimes i'll just be kind of like flipping through those um in bed you know like a big stack and i'll be like oh that's a really cool idea like how could i utilize that like weird technique in my quilt, you know, without replicating, like, you know, obviously what I'm looking at, right. Um, sort of borrow the idea. Uh, so sometimes it's that or maybe it's less tangible things. Like I love looking at like abstract art, you know, uh, 20th century, uh, uh, expressionist art, uh, going to museums, uh, when they were open, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But, but also like things like 70s and 80s fashion or interior design, uh, music, especially hip hop, um, graffiti, textiles from around the world. I really love looking at, you know, embroideries and weavings and things and, and looking at the colors and the juxtapositions and shapes. So those are a huge influence.
2: So when you do get an idea, do you jump on it right away or does it cook for a while? Uh, so that's,
1: that's a, also a really good question. <laughs> Does it depend? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it kind of depends. Sometimes, you know, I'm like a, I'm like a magpie. Like I want to collect all the things and do all the things. Uh, I had this friend Donna, uh, at the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild when I lived in Chicago. And she said that she was like Miss Piggy at the buffet of life and i thought that was hilarious but <laughs> i think that applies to me too because i i have like a zillion things going at one time um like pr- like 10 15 projects of all different types you know quilts and some other fiber work like going you know concurrently and uh, i wish that i was the type to do like a, a linear working style but that is just not me um I get things to the finish line. It just takes a while. And you asked. Like, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in a big way.
1: Exactly. I think a lot of people can. Um, yeah.
2: Sometimes I'm fighting with something. And so I put it in time out till my subconscious figures out how to solve a problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes things need to percolate, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I have a lot of things that I kind of set aside. But I almost always get back to them. And then you asked me, how did my, you know, how do my ideas come? A lot of times they come like right as I'm going to sleep. (laughs) Um, And I figure if it's still with me when I wake up in the morning, then it's like the idea is sticky enough. And if I'm excited enough about it, I will like try to go at it right away. So um, yeah. And I don't really keep a sketchbook. I wish I did, (laughs) but I just kind of like try to keep it all, you know, all, all that chaos like stuffed into my brain and and finish things as I can right <laughs> yeah. so
0: do you do you quilt your quilt yourself
1: uh yeah primarily um just because again I want to have my hand in my work and so um I have a long arm uh, uh, a handy quilter Avante that I bought a couple of years ago not the best quilt uh, <laughs> long armor rather um but I I do uh, do some, some long arm work on there. And then I also uh, use my domestic machine a lot uh, to quilt quilts.
2: Okay. I used to have an Avante, so.
1: Yeah, they're great.
2: (laughs) They are really good. Um, I know that uh, from following you for a long time, you gravitate towards color, and you love color, and you are like me. You love all of them. Yeah. What is your favorite color? Yes, all of them. <laughs> yes. So, are there specific colors that you find yourself gravitating towards, or using, reaching for most often?
1: Hmm. It, it's interesting. I, when you say you said all of them, that was going to be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you were stating the question. Um, yeah, all of them. Uh, a lot of the quilts I've been making like the past like two, three years have been like multicolored. So like, they literally have every color of the rainbow. Um, and, you know, it, I love that. Like it, it's like an antidepressant for me. Um, yes. So I love playing with value. I love playing with, you know, shades and, and darks and all different colors. I, it's so hard to pick just one, but, but I definitely like upon reflection, I would say that like, I use neons a lot. Um, you know, any chance I get, I will throw like a neon or five into a quilt. So like, especially like hot pink and neon yellow are some favorites. Um, and somebody told me once you use an awful lot of green, don't you? And I was like, Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I do, and I don't know why that is, but it's just—I guess I just really gravitate toward it. In all different shades, Um, I want to. There isn't really a color that I don't like, except maybe brown.
2: (laughs) I have a friend who made a quilt, and the the name of the quilt is "Brown is Not a Color." Oh, that's fantastic! (laughs) 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 But. Um I tried to make a brown quilt for our comfy quilts one time and I couldn't do it. I put a, a single acid green half square triangle in it just to be subversive.
1: I love yeah. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're
1: a woman after my own heart. <laughs>
2: yeah. But I'm, I'm with you, but I have found, do you find that you go through seasons of colors? Like you might use the same color for a while and then you switch to another one.
1: Yeah, I... I There may be some of that, like, I know that, like, probably for about four years, I've had this thing, like, certain groupings of colors, like, like a very bright blue and pink, and red, and like putting those all together, um, has been really something that's attracted me. Yeah, I will definitely go through like color obsessions. But I think uh, we'd be here like all day and all night for <laughs> me to go through <laughs> the list of ones that I'm obsessed with. So I can talk about color for years. So, that right?
2: neat, you know. so how do you choose a color scheme for a quilt? I mean, is there anything or does it, do you just know when you have it?
1: I think I know when I have it. Like, I, I guess, I guess the color is kind of like a, an intuitive thing for me at this point. And I try not to overthink it, you know, like I'll set when I'm making a, like a, a quilt that has a lot of colors in it. I will like set out a palette of fabric, like by color order, like kind of in a rainbow in front of me and just grab like what's attracted to me at that time. So there isn't a lot of pre-planning um, or thinking even not, not conscious thinking. right? Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: So, if you were talking with someone who's intrigued by quilting but maybe a little intimidated to get started, what advice would you offer them?
1: Hmm. So I think with that, that the biggest thing I would tell somebody to do if they were getting started in quilting is to just like let go of your fear and your you know your feeling of intimidation as much as you can and just jump right in with both feet. <laughs> and the reason why is because I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, Oh, I can't do that. Or like, that mm-hmm. seems scary or like not sure what to do with color. Or, I'm not, you know, not sure how to cut this. And we have all these hangups that hold us back, you know, because we've heard people, you know, telling us it needs to be done this way. And I think if people will just dive in and allow themselves to let go of the fear and allow themselves to make mistakes, um, that they'll learn and, and they may, you know, find that they really enjoy it. And if they, if they let go of that feeling of, of feeling like they're going to make mistakes that they'll have more fun because, um, you know, this is supposed to be a fun, <laughs> um, you know, art practice or craft practice. Like it's supposed to be fun. So, you know, let it be fun by, you know, letting go.
2: Absolutely. Sure. Be wrong
1: with confidence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, ask questions, experiment and, and, and try not to get too hung up on it.
2: Yeah. And you don't, you don't learn if you get it right the first time. Exactly. So I mean, to me, part of the joy of it is the challenge
1: of figuring things out. Exactly. Yeah. And, and along the way you're going to be like, oops, that didn't work out. Well, I'm never going to do that again. You know? Right. But
2: you wouldn't know that unless you messed up.
1: Exactly. Yep.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Do you have a favorite piece that you've ever made? Hmm.
1: Tough question. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I think my favorite, like, when I think about this, favorite... Body of Work has been that that one that I've kind of been talking a little bit about that I've made most recently that have my own fabrics in them. Um, most of those are like one patch or like a really simple, like traditional block, repeated like grid format um, with varying color combinations. And they basically become these like color field quilts. And I like playing with like the iterations of color. So so I'm feeling really good and and feel confident about that body of work and want to continue more of that. And um, hmm. like another recent one, I just finished this quilt. It's white, like a white background of just one patches. And then I attached these pom poms to it that um, (laughs) yarn pom poms that um, I made when I was uh, an artist in residence in, at the museum in San Jose and they were. It was this yarn that was donated to the museum from the community. You know, people just offloading their old junk and uh, donating it to the museum so they could use it in their their classes and things. And I was like, "Well, what could I do with this?" And so I made these like multicolored pom poms and attached them to the surface of the quilt. And there's just something I'm really vibing on about that quilt. Um, yeah, it's neat
2: looking. I saw it. I was following.
1: Yeah, it's like. Quilts tend to be very flat, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, very low relief, even if they have, you know, very intense quilting on them. And I've been playing around with these ideas of like, how can I jump off the surface of the quilt, you know, and, and use like something unusual or some other material that you don't always see on top of a quilt. So, so that's what that was about. And I'm really, you know, happy with that. And also it uses like recycled materials, which is something that means a lot to me. Um, been using them in my, in my quilts, you know, since the very beginning, since that very first quilt. Um, and then, um, another favorite, uh, actually as a group of favorites, um, I made these protest quilts last year, uh, kind of around the time of the beginning of the pandemic and around the time of the, uh, BLM, uh, George Floyd, uh, protests. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they say, I am not okay. We are not okay. And it is not okay. And it's black and and gray uh, text on a white background. So they're kind of very different than the work I normally do, but they were something that I was really compelled to make um, because I was, I was really angry at the senseless murder of, of, people of color now and, you know, forever. And, um, I was also really upset with how the, um, how the Trump administration has been handling the pandemic, uh, from the beginning. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so I was extremely angry about, about all of that. And I, I felt like I had to do something or make something and because, you know, quilts are my medium of expression, um, I made those. And so I feel, I feel like, I feel like those are some favorites of mine that, that I've made, um, all of that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sure. So could, I'm I can curious if you could talk a little bit more about the recycled materials and what that, um, means to you or, or why, why that appeals to you?
1: Oh, that's another good question. So, <laughs> so I've always been into to thrifted and, and to vintage and to, uh, recycling, uh, and, and using things that are what other people might consider a discard or something that, that, that might have little or no value, you know, because they're giving it away. Um, I like using things like that because it, it, it kind of says something like these things are valuable too, or or what is value really? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I take this thing that was considered something of lesser value you know, perceptually and turn it into something of greater value um, or renewed value by using it in my quilt. Um, So that's, that's, I think that's what my basic ethos is around using those in my work. Yeah, With all the vintage
2: clothing that you were redoing and restyling growing up, that probably has a lot, a lot to do with it as well.
1: Exactly. Right. It's, It's like the unbroken thread between like that, chapter of my life and the one that I currently find myself in. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. I think it was planet money. I could be wrong. I think it was planet money that did a, a, a mini series podcast about kind of the, the life of a t-shirt uh-huh. um, just in terms of how, you know, a lot of the things that you drop off at, at, at um, some thrift stores, not all end up on a boat headed to, Uh, Impoverished country, and it's it's just really interesting. And the ironic thing is that a lot of the t-shirts start in those countries and then come to the U.S.
1: Yeah, there's actually you mentioned that it's really interesting. There was this documentary, and I don't know when it was made. Um, God, it could be like ten or fifteen years ago now, but I think it's called Secondhand Pepe. P e p e. And it was about, um, just about that same subject about, you know, discards from the, the US and other Western, uh, nations. And in this case, they were being shipped to Haiti.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and what people there, you know, how that affected like the local culture, you know, of, of clothing and, and things that people, um, used and, and what they did with it and how it's also kind of, damaging to the environment. <laughs> and we're just kind of <laughs> offloading that on, on other people. Um, sure. I think if people Googled it, they might be able to find that it's a short film. Um, but it, it, fascinating. Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, I'm curious, are there other quilters that have inspired you along the way of your quilting journey?
1: Oh, too many to mention Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so many, um, Hmm. I think, off the top of my head, um, I'm thinking of, of people uh, like Sherry Lynn Wood um, and uh, Heidi Parks, um, who are also some friends of mine. Uh, I love their work. Uh, I don't want to make their work, but I, I love because um, their work is is different than mine in in a variety of ways. But But I love how they follow their own drummer, you know? Like mm-hmm. any quilter, any artist that like confidently, you know, f- finds a way to, to, you know, follow their own drummer and follow their own path. I think people like, you know, Sherry, like Heidi, I, I think I admire them a lot and um, I like hearing what they have to say. Um, and I, I love how they teach other people. Like they fearlessly teach other people, you know, their methods and, I, I just think that's such a uh, such a great trait to have as a as a quilter. Not everybody can teach, but um, I admire that about them, and, and, the, and that and that's part of their practice. Um, I also like uh, you know in the more surface design area, Malka Dubrowski. Do you all know of mm-hmm. her? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, so she does you know batik uh, fabrics, and I think she's doing some other explorations, but she. She kind of has like a similar um vibe to me with kind of playing around with these kind of more traditional um patchworks but but taking them to some other place. Um Joe Cunningham, I think he's fantastic mm-hmm. uh in the whole realm of improvisational work and and he I don't know if y'all know about him but he has this the way he does his quilting on his quilts is often like he's doing these drawings of like for instance, he did one that had to do with Ukrainian, um, the unrest that was happening in the Ukraine a few years ago. Uh, so there's there's many layers of meaning in his quilts, and I, I really admire that. Oh, yeah, God. There's
2: just, I love the depth of thinking. Yes, yeah, yes. You know, I look at a quilt and just want to know more because there's especially if it's not just a you know a pattern that somebody else wrote, but if it's right. something in your own head. You know, there's a story that we can't see. Yes. Yeah. And
1: I love that. Yeah. I love, I love the layers of meaning, you know, and the, not to disparage people who, you know, use patterns or like I know, just I know. enjoy the, the act of sewing, which, you know, I'm sure the three of us can relate to yeah. um, just the meditative, of, uh, pleasurable aspect of that. But like, I love seeing people who like take it to another conceptual level.
2: Absolutely. Sure. I mean, there's to me, there's there's value in all of it. So sometimes I need the meditation, and sometimes I got to get the feelings out somehow so they don't eat me up.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And you know, I I do all types of quilting unapologetically, and I love all types of it. There's room for all of us. Same. Yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> so, um, you mentioned your avante. What other machine do you use? I think I read you use a Janome. I do.
1: Yeah. I actually have like a little fleet of sewing machines. <laughs> 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 See, as, yeah, I, as we
0: all in do. Chicago. Well,
1: um, th- to repeat Miss Piggy at the buffet of life. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bit of a hoarder, but I have like two um, Janomes that I kind of switch back and forth between. Um, I have a a Janome 6,700, which is like a zigzag machine. And it's fantastic for uh, doing like straight line quilting with a, um, with a a walking foot. And then I also have, um, I just bought it this summer, um, a Janome HD nine, which is uh, kind of like the Juki TL 2010, Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit more heavy duty. um, But I'm, just love it. Yeah. Those are my two main squeezes. And then I have a little, you know, some vintage Bernina and like a featherweight. And so
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm using one of those jukies. I love it.
2: Oh, it's great. I understand having a fleet. We have a family zoom every Sunday, actually. And my brothers asked how many sewing machines I had. And I could not I couldn't come up with an accurate number, and it was embarrassing. <laughs> well, you're not alone. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not even sorry. I mean, don't be. I, I didn't decide I was collecting feather feather weights. Somebody else did, and then they just started being left on my doorstep like strays. So I have a <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know why. But that's okay.
1: There are worse things. I, I know. Think. You know. <laughs> So do you,
0: do you have a favorite notion or ruler?
1: Oh, Hmm. Well, I think, you know, my favorite notions are kind of the, the, the basics, you know, like I have a, what is that? An Omni grid suite of Omni grid rulers. Like a, I think one of my favorite ones is like a three by 18. If I have that right. Um. Uh, I have a, my rotary cutter. The yellow one. I don't know what brand that is. <laughs> um, forget. Well, yeah. I
0: know the one you're talking about. I can't think of it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go.
1: So yeah, those are great. Um, I use uh, like a Clover. Clover makes a lot of great tools, but they have um, this little chalk wheel, like mm-hmm. a, a tracing wheel. Mm-hmm. That's great. It comes with a little like cartridge of chalk because when you're marking quilts, sometimes that's, that's like a really great thing to have. Um, yeah, the basics, I think the basics are important to have. Sure. Absolutely.
0: So, so what's, where's the best place online for people to learn more about you and your quilts?
1: So two places, um, you can go to bits and or you could go to Instagram and type in at bits and bobbins.
0: Great. Well again we've been speaking with quilter Tricia Royal. Trisha, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Great. Thank you both
2: for the opportunity. This was fantastic. You're welcome. It's fun talking to you.
0: Great.